Wait till I get my reparations. 800-920-1580. 800-920-1580. You got something to say about what we were talking about last hour or you want to weigh in on something else that's of importance to you? I would love to hear from you as always on this Friday. On this very strange Friday. Um, I didn't actually track... Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I didn't track like I should have been tracking in in Nevada, but um, Trump has won uh, these the caucus. They had a they had an election that was um, won by <laughs> none of these candidates, and then the caucus won by Trump. If you want to talk about that, we can talk about that. If you want to talk about woo Biden, we can talk about Biden uh, and the. Uh, Angry speech yesterday in response to the um, Justice Department report that he's I mean, special counsel report, I should say, that he's that says he's got a bad memory and uh, he's an old guy. Tucker Carlson interviewing Vladimir Putin. And I didn't watch that whole thing. That's like Putin droning on and on and on. Well, Tucker Carlson sits there like a school child. Uh, way, way over his head. And look, I've been there. I mean, there are some people that are hard to interview, especially if they're either former, uh, not that I've ever interviewed former KGB, at least not that I know of, but people that come out of our U.S. spy academies, I've interviewed a few of those in the law enforcement arena, and they're just trained to just talk and 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 say their same talking points over and over again so that you never get to ask a question. Like you you might ask two questions in an hour interview and then the rest of it is them just go droning on and on with their own agenda, which is pretty much what happened to Tucker Carlson on yesterday. Even even Carlson said, I'm not sure what that was, right? When it gets away from you. Um, and, and it's, it's not easy as a, as the interviewer in that case, look at me, not me (laughs) having a modicum of empathy for Tucker Carlson, only in the professional sense, not in the, um, policy or philosophical sense. But I mean, you gotta, you gotta be ready for something like that. Cause otherwise you would just be utilized as a corridor for propaganda. And that's what happened to him. And, uh. You know, he brought a he brought a knife to a gunfight for sure. And, you know, you may be outmatched. Sometimes we're just outmatched. This reparations conversation um, is continuing every single Friday. And I love the the comments in the chat because people are so astute. And you can tell that folks are really um, paying attention. Uh, not everybody I know, but those of you who are, I think it's really your responsibility, our responsibility, our our duty, our hopefully it's our pleasure to continue to have these conversations, whether it's at the kitchen table, the barber shop, um, on the radio, to make sure that people know what we're talking about, what the conversation is. Um, you know, Judicially Affirmed said in the chat that this is money owned, not new funds allocated. It's a debt that America owes. I mean, that was the name of Randall Robinson's book. And whether you're basing it on um, 
special field order 15 or whether you're basing it on um, the, you know, well-documented um, harm and disparities. Uh, I agree with that. Um, it is a debt. And that's part of what we have to continue. You know, when you talk about talking points, I feel like people that are against reparations, people that are, whether it's because they're white supremacists or whether it's because they do not have an historical understanding or they're just haters, um, they try to make it seem like a form of welfare, like reparations equals welfare. And I think it's important to make that distinction. Debt and welfare are two different things. You owe me money, um, I'm asking for a handout. Two completely different things. Um, so I think that is uh, right. Ronnie Lynn said a bunch of things. I can't find all of them uh, on the chat right now. But he was claiming, uh, Don, our caller, not eligible for reparations in California. But it is true that if you look at the reparations task force, the recommendations, and even the L.A. City um they're, they don't have recommendations yet, but the way that they did their survey, they're looking at, if you've ever lived in California, you have descendants in California, you've done business in California, there could be a proportional benefit for you, right? They're looking at um, how long the person was in California or their family was in California and what were the harms that they specifically experienced with educational and the health arena, um, financial institutions, and creating formulas that way. I do think that we cannot, and I understand, you know, the Legislative Black Caucus is in a tough position because we are in a budget deficit, and they are trying to get reelected, and they are trying to do what they think is winnable. But at the same time, this is this is a moment of m momentum. This is a, an, a crossroads in history. And the talking point that reparations is about more than money, I don't know if that's helpful um, because what it does is it minimizes the importance of cash reparation, which I don't, I don't agree with minimizing that. I do think it's, a, so don't say reparations about more than money, say reparations should also include the following, right? Rather than downplaying money in the way you're saying the talking point, expand it to say reparations, yes, reparations is about money and uh, the reclamation of land, which is one of the things, uh, one of the um, legislative proposals that I like going after, um, you know, the the um, imminent domain and, and the Bruce's Beach type uh, situations where we can reclaim, um, and, and maybe that's not directly reparations, it could be restitution. It's all part of the same movement of regaining uh, what has been stolen and having the debt uh, paid to us that is owed to us. JW from LA, you have the mic. <coughs> uh, good morning, Dominic. How are you? I'm blessed. What's on your mind? Yeah, um, your last guest, uh, she articulated her point of view very well. And I just wanted to add to it because you kept asking the question, how can we do uh, something new and different now to make a change? And my thought was we, as a race of people, we, uh, you heard our expression, we are sleeping giant. And she made a point that, that was in my mind when she said mobilizing people, 
And like Dr. King did, he mobilized the youth. And I really believe the sleeping giant is our youth. If we can mobilize our youth and get them engaged in the process, we can utilize them to do all the above that she commented on and, and be actively engaged um, at council meetings, or uh, maybe uh, a phone bank as well, uh, not knocking on doors, and et cetera. But also, with these corporations, I believe the add to the mix, other than passing legislation uh, uh, citywide or statewide or federal-wide, uh, those are um, government, <clears throat> excuse my voice, I'm hoarse, but um, we need to um, challenge the corporations that we always been dealing with purchasing products from. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's right. We, but, but that's that's a kind of almost like a separate, not separate. It is another thread in the same conversation, right? Because that is the that is the argument that some people are making. We should just be dealing with the feds. We should be pushing, uh, either pushing, um, as Cam Howard said a couple weeks ago on this show, either pushing. President Biden to sign something uh, similar to an H.R. 40, a reparation study or an updated version of that in executive order or pushing Republicans to pass H.R. 40 or something similar, their own version of something, reparations, uh, moving reparations forward right now in the House while they have control. Um, And so that's the federal piece. And then you've got states like California. Well, California... Um, leading the way in creating a reparations task force of our own and doing some of that groundwork and study and now looking at what the state specifically owes um, in reparations. And then you have cities and the cities, I mean, the cities are multiplying every day. There's more than 20 uh, nationally now. I think it might be uh, more than two dozen at this point that have reparations uh, commissions, task force, or advisory groups, um, and in LA being one of those, San Francisco being another, uh, New York uh, State now has um, followed suit with California, and we'll see how all of these different configurations happen. Meanwhile, you see this momentum created in the educational arena. You know, places like Georgetown, or specifically, I say they actually sold people, they sold human beings black enslaved persons in the United States to keep their university open. So now they've gone and traced, okay, we got to trace the descendants of the people we sold and they're offering specific repair to those folks. And probably a lot of universities, a huge number of universities could do similar. And when, and then you've got to get into, that's, you know, you get into the corporate arena, right? The biggest one would be insurance companies, I believe. Insurance companies made a grip by writing policies on people, your ancestors and mine, insuring us as cargo, as um, property. And that's where we do see some detailed records about who was here when. I still argue, and I know people don't want to hear this, especially the lineage-based, strictly lineage-based folks, that there, it's not all neat and tidy like that. It's not all on the uh, insurance company registry. It's not all on the census. Um, some of that 
information is going to be lost, obscured, or difficult to retrieve. And, you know, I've been assured that genealogy is an ever-progressing uh, um, field and that we'll be able to find everybody's paperwork, everybody's documents, everybody's proof, or at least some DNA proof. Um, and I'm here for that. But I just know people ran, they joined maroon communities, people changed their names to avoid being uh, recaptured and brought back to plantations. People went underground, they went across borders and came back. And so I think if we're going to be realistic and um, intellectually honest about getting reparations for all of those who actually are owed that debt... We're going to have to look at how we do that in a really robust way. Uh, love to hear your thoughts. As always, 800-920-1580, 800-920-1580. April Sims is in the chat saying, we didn't fight in the Civil War to keep the Union together. She's pushing back on what Dawn said. She said, we fought in this Civil uh, War for our freedom. Um, and, well, I guess as a side uh consequence it kept the united states uh kept the union whole um but great points though jw it's just that each of these areas are areas that while they i believe that momentum grows and we continue the snowballing effect of the inevitability of reparations then we have to be able to parse out local national private sector uh, public sector institutions and wh how they specifically need to address uh, the harm that they specifically have incurred. It's the perfect time to call me, 800-920-1580. It's a Freedman Friday, but it's also freestyle phone. So if it's on your mind, let's talk about it. It's KBLA Talk 1580. The station you turn to when you've had it up to here with cultural incompetence. KBLA Talk 1580. Thanks for waking up with Dominique DePrima on KBLA Talk 1580. And uh, happy Friday to you, 800-920-1580 is the way to get in. I was tracking this uh, story about um, Sonny Hostin from The View, who is a proponent of reparations, one of the few in the mainstream media that's been bold in saying she believes in reparations. Well, she was uh, part of this PBS documentary called Finding Your Roots, uh, the Henry Louis Gates Jr. show. And she found out that one of her ancestors on her maternal side was a slave trader in Spain, a, a colonial slave trader that who owned at least one human being. Um, she says she still d believes in reparations even after finding that out. And she says she still believes she deserves reparations as well. And she said people are texting her and telling her you're just a white girl, so you don't deserve reparations or that you're a slaveholder. And people are sending her all kinds of um, weird things. She says, I'm enriched by knowing my family has come so far from being enslavers to my mother marrying my father in 1968. Uh, that is part of it. The other thing is many, um, black Americans, I would say, I don't 
have numbers in front of me, but, and I don't know if such numbers even exist, but there has to be a significant number of African Americans, um, black American freedmen, Negro, um, you know, FBAs, whatever, who have enslavers in their family tree. We were consistently raped, bred, um, violated, and that makes babies. And that DNA is still there. That, um, as I used to joke around when I was more brash and young, the enslaver in your woodpile is there for many, for many black Americans. Does that mean those folks don't deserve reparations or that reparations are a lie? No, in fact, it's just the opposite. Now, uh, and I'm not sure the, the details in, in Sonny Hostin's family, but for many, that would seem to affirm that they do deserve reparation because more than likely their ancestor was a victim of sexual assault, rape, um, and, and, and worse, right? Uh, having our, having worse, what is worse? Having your children snatched from you and sold, being bred like a horse, et cetera, et cetera, and et cetera. Um, and, you know, we can get into the sort of esoteric or the spiritual aspect of having ancestors in one body, DNA in one vessel that is literally at war, you know, having the DNA of the enslaved and the enslaver in one body doesn't actually uh, make you a white girl, Sonny Hostin. You have ancestors who are classified as white, as Spaniards. Um, uh, you know, and, and folks will look at me and go, oh, she light-skinned or oh, her, her mama white, so blah, 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 whatever. My mom's Italian. Her family, she, you know, her family... Um, came here, my grandparents on that side of the family came here. So uh, they weren't involved in the enslavement movement, at least not in this country. They weren't enslavers. Um, and as far as I've been able to trace, which is pretty thorough, not in Italy either. My black side of the family is, you know, North Carolina. Um, and we have, we have receipts. We even have photos of my great, great grandma who was, enslaved on a plantation and was a teenager when emancipation happened and was freed during her lifetime. Okay. So y'all can get off my Twitter talking about, you know, I'm a tether or whatever. I don't even believe in that, but you know, it's not that I'm worried about my money, my cash, my me, 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 me. I'm just wanting us to acknowledge the whole big mess that our enslavement left and how we need to make sure that those unhoused folks or descendants of maroons or otherwise enslaved persons uh, who don't, who aren't on the census or on the insurance lists or whatever, that they also receive repair in every aspect, including cash. Molly Bell from the city of Compton. We only have three minutes to news traffic and sports. So you might have to do a two part conversation. So I want you to rush and, you know, get all out of breath and just take your time, queen. Reparations in memory of our ancestors and God bless morning to you, Dominique. And I had Ed Sanders name up there cause he was here earlier and, of course, uh, Miss Don Page, Miles, KBLA radio family and listeners. It, it has just been wonderful listening to all the things that we have got to say. First of all, I want to say that 
you know, I'm a Biden supporter. He's not my man. I don't want him for my father, but uh, I support Biden. And they always talk about his age. And you, Dominique, announced my birthday, which I was glad about. Got calls on February the 4th. I turned 77. Happy birthday to you. and, (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes, sometimes I forget stuff. And I have to make a note about it. But I want to say that, first of all, for uh, reparations, I think uh, I'm one of those ones that say we just need to talk about what it is. Because the mother folks going to pick out what it's not. Right. (laughs) They're going to tell us in a real good way exactly what it's not. And so I just think that we should look at reparations like that. Um, and, and thank you for giving me this time because I just wanted to make some quotes. I said my first quote is I remember when Miles first uh, did a song on there. And he says, sometime my ego won't leave me alone. And for some of us, our ego won't leave us alone. Ego? My pride Our just ego. won't leave me alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I was pride. just thinking it. Yeah, I've, yeah, similar. Yeah, got it. Yeah, our pride and our ego just won't leave us alone. And uh, one of the things that I like, I, let me just tell folks, I saw this. I don't know where I saw it. Uh, but Dominique, I saw your name with Dominique Baraka the Prima. Why haven't you been doing that for a long time? Your father... Is instrumental for me. The Black Arts Movement, I remember he did a, uh, I think it was a play called Slave Ship back in the sure day. Sure did, sure did. Uh, the, the dead lecturer. Why don't you use uh, uh, a Baraka more often? Okay, well, you know what? It's time for news, traffic, and sports. So I'll explain on the other side. I'm not dodging, Molly Bell, because I know you got more to say. It's KBLA Talk 1580. She's reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More First Things First with Dominic DePrima when we come forward. Broadcasting live from Lamar Park, USA. Welcome back to your home for unapologetically progressive radio. KBLA Talk 1580. And Molly Bell called me at 800-920-1580. She's still on the line. Uh, you can do the same, 800-920-1580. Whether you want to throw down on reparations or whether you want to talk about something else that's got you going this morning, uh, I'd love to hear from you. So, Molly Bell, you asked me about the name Baraka, which is my father's uh, last name, and why I don't use it more. So, um, when I was young, when I was a teenager, and I got my first agent, um, I was planning to use the name Dominique Baraka, which is uh, my dad's name. And my mom asked me to use Dupreme. At that time, they were not talking. <laughs> and um, <laughs> for whatever reason, she just wanted me to use the name Dupreme. And she never she never was that much asking me for a lot of things. So I said, yeah, okay. And it wasn't out of disrespect for my dad. It was something my mom asked me to do. So I did. And then over the years, I've had people say, to, you know, say kind of like what you were saying. I've never wanted to disrespect my father. I love my dad. I'm so grateful for him, for his contributions to the world, for my DNA. And let me tell you, um, as his friend, uh, Gratian Moncor once said, there's no denying that kid because she, she took your whole face. <laughs> I, look, I look a lot like my father. I took his whole face. So, um, yeah, I, I, and then, you know, over the years, I mean, you, 
as a personality, as a public figure, a long name seems hard for people. People can barely say Dominique de Prima. They be calling me Dupuri and Diaparima and Diaspora and all kinds of other things. So I always felt like adding another name would make it too confusing. But I started that when I started my YouTube channel saying Dominique B. de Prima, the B is for Baraka. I started it more because I think that I, you know, and even more since my dad has passed, just really wanting to pay tribute to him uh, without, you know, removing my mom's tribute. And also, once people know you as Dominique de Prima, you suddenly change. They'll be like, who's that? Dominique Baraka? Who that? But um, I claim both names. And um, yeah, and by the way, for those um, going to the Pan-African Film Festival, there is a film about my dad. Um, Black Lives Matter is, is, is doing a fundraiser with one screening, and there's a couple other screenings. I'll be at a couple of them talking about it. Uh, don't love everything about it, but um, there's some great stuff there. You know, once people start making movies and tributes about your your parents, you have no say. That's the crazy thing. Like right now, I can so empathize with uh, Martin Luther King's kids and, and Malcolm X's kids, of uh, of whom I'm I'm friends with. At least uh, I'm friends with Miss Miss Shabazz, Atala Shabazz, Ambassador Shabazz. And we've talked about this, but it's really coming to life now. There's two films about my dad. The last two years, there's one in the Pan African Film Festival. I have no say so. In some cases, the family knows nothing about it, and they give their interpretation, which you know you just have to live with so i'll be making my commentary about those a little bit on those panels but there are some great interviews with my dad in the film it's an amazing interview with my granddad uh so uh, you know i, w I would recommend seeing it even though i have some issues with anyway i digress go ahead molly bell you you had a lot more to say <laughs> okay I, i'm i'm going to make this i, I do like I, I see you when you're i'm on i usually do the chat room with the Chadroom family, and I could see you when you're taking notes. Right quickly, I just want to say that um, there's an organization called Coalition for Just and Equitable California, right. CJEC, and they're asking, the, asking us to write this letter to the California Legislative Black Caucus saying that we deserve better. We do deserve direct money. Monetary should be a part of the reparation. Now, you know, all you have to do, there's a number or there's a, where you can call, and the number is nine, and they told me I could give it out, 916-319-2011. But you don't even have to write the letter. Once you hit that, it is awesome what uh, uh, technology can do. It'll come up. It'll have the whole letter. All you have to do is sign it. So please, if you get a chance... Call that and do that. You know, we always need to say we need to ask for some money. Now, I'm gonna, this is I'm going to go through quickly. I want to say that, D Dominique, you used to teach us with uh, Jim Brown and American. What, what do we need to do? Three things. Eliminate the negative, establish the fact, and choose your best option. And that's from Jim Brown and American. Tasha Cobb says, no fire can burn me. No mountain can stop me, because God knows my name. And uh, Emil uh, uh, Cabril says, hide nothing from the masses of our people. Tell no lies and mask no difficulties and claim no easy victories. And we as a people, as Dr. Karinga says, we as a people must vote for the best condition 
not the person, not the personality, but the best condition that we will be in as a people after the election. So we've got to vote right. (laughs) I remember when Ronald Reagan closed Camarilla State Mental Hospital and all that happened. And so I'm saying we have a chance to do this, and ageism is cold-blooded because, like I said, I'm getting up there. And I don't want y'all talking about me. And get ready for the Olympics in 2028 and that Hawthorne Mall. Thank you for asking about that because I wonder what's going to happen once the Olympics come. That's me for today. Listen, all you prayer warriors out there, you know what you've got to do. You've got to keep fasting. You've got to keep praying because the struggle continues. But always, to God be the glory. Thank you, Dominique. Thank you, Molly Bell, straight out of Compton. Uh, yeah, she she made some great points. Um, and you can do the same, 809-20-1580. Look, cash reparations are deserved. I, I don't think we can drop the ball on this. I do think we have to keep the pressure on. Um, I don't think that just because... The California Legislative uh, Black Caucus did not include it in this first round of bills means that they won't. But I can understand why you would be concerned about that. And um, thank you for sharing that, Molly Bell. I was not aware of that hotline. Um, And certainly we've had um, CJEC on the show a couple times. We'll, We'll have to have them back. I just found out um, in, in pertaining to the Los Angeles reparations, uh, committee um, that um, the survey is back online. We thought I thought the deadline was the end of the year, um, but they have actually extended it through Black History Month, looking for more responses. So it's BlackExperienceLA.com. I already filled it out. I know what um, <laughs> I know what it is. It doesn't take that long. It's actually pretty interesting because what you what you get is um, a chance to sort of reflect on your own impact of reparations. By filling out the survey, it makes you think about what your family what went through, what you went through, how your community was affected uh, by enslavement and the subsequent harms of Jim Crow, redlining, et cetera, et cetera. Very, very, very um, helpful right? And powerful. And I think that uh, if you have a minute, it's, it's really going to take you about 15, 20, or if you get super deep with it and start going down the family tree rabbit hole, which is spiritually a healthy thing to do, uh, it could take you an hour at the most. A BlackExperienceLA.com. Go on there, fill out the survey. They don't have enough responses. It's crazy to me. We on here talking on the radio, tweeting and, and, and talking about reparations, it, that's a simple thing you can do uh, to show interest, to show um, impact, and to continue to build this momentum, which is part of what we're doing here with Friedman Fridays, blackexperiencela.com. Look, we got a weekend coming up. You can do it during Super Bowl commercials. You can do it, well, I probably don't want to do it while Usher's on stage. You'll be distracted. But I'm just saying, like, Somewhere in your football schedule, there's got to be 20 minutes that you can take to fill out a, a survey. You can mix Super Bowl and black history or, uh, well, you you know, instead of scrolling on Facebook at work, <laughs> fill out a reparation survey at work. Then maybe one day you won't even have to work. Uh, BlackExperienceLA.com, maybe, maybe not. 
but certainly uh, while you're fooling around online, it's something productive to do. It is not too late to call me. In fact, it's the perfect moment. 800-920-1580. 800-920-1580. I've got an update, some interesting uh, reparations Z if that's a word, news out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, Black Wall Street. I'll share that with you when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. More of First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. This is KBLA Talk 1580, where hate meets a scholarly match. And uh, yes, uh, Molly Bell, thank you for all those great commentaries. And when it comes to ageism, I think I've been really clear on that. You know, Biden uh, getting kind of testy yesterday, talking about how folks, um, how this this uh, special um, counsel report called him a guy with a bad memory, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I say everyone's 80 is not the same, right? Everyone's 50 is not the same. Everyone's 60 is not the same. Some people are old at 40. Some people are old at 100. So I think it, I do think it has to be about competency, not just age when it comes to uh, jobs. Look at you, Molly Bell. You're sharper than most people at 21 at the ripe young age of 75. So it has to do with how you take care of yourself. It has to do with your DNA, your your uh, how you know what you inherited from your family and it has to do with um you know whatever dis-ease you're fighting or not fighting in your body in any case um for some reason people think that trump 77 is younger than biden's well it is technically but he's only three years younger than him right so if you were uh 30 and someone was 33, you wouldn't look at that as a big gap, but apparently 77 and 80 um, in our minds. But I think it's because um, Trump wears spray tan, has uh, is married to a hot model and uh, talks a lot of smack. I think that's why people think he um, is younger. Um, and, you know, Biden has always stuttered. It's not that that's not something new. He, he just uh, it, I guess when you're 80, it, it seems older than it is. Look, they're both old. They're going to have senior moments. That's who, we, that's who we're voting for right now. So that can't be the factor. They both have that. But again, everybody's 70 or 80 or 90 or 100 is not the same. Let's go to Benny calling us from Los Angeles. Good morning, Benny. Yeah, good morning to you. I'd like to uh, ask you a question. Okay. What do you... Uh, what caused the Civil War? <laughs> you think my name is Nikki Haley? <laughs> yes, yes. That's just why. That's just why I asked you that. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, you know, the the answer you're looking for is slavery, and surely that that's a big part of it. Um, it, it's complex. Some of it has to do, you know, because it's not as cut and dry. It's not like the good white people in the North were like, oh, let's get, a, get rid of slavery. And the bad white people yeah, in the yeah. South were like, let's keep slavery. Yeah, you know, there's uh, the whole piece about the Northern industrialists, you know, not wanting to have to compete with free labor and uh, wanting, to, you know, needing people for their factories. And I mean, it's, it's you know, the, the, the progress of capitalism, but surely um, the enslavement of black people, and whether or not that would continue to be a legally sanctioned part of our uh, United States of America was a foundational piece of it. Yeah. Right. My, my, my question is this. Now, if, if you run it for the president of the United States, which I won't, and you cannot, <laughs> and you can't, and you can't answer that question. You, 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 you're not fit to, to hold that office. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Do you think that um, Donald, how do you think Donald Trump would answer that question? I'm wondering. I'm curious. I don't know that anyone's ever asked him that. I don't, I don't think so. But uh, all you have to do is remember one name. It's a black man that caused the Civil War. His name was Dred Scott. That, that, okay. Well, he, I mean, he, he he was the only black person in the country that had the sense enough to go to a court of law and sue for his freedom. Nobody else did that. Well, I mean. Okay, that's. I, I guess you're you're kind of looking more like um, symbolically about what caused um, what caused the Civil War, um, because the Dred Scott case, which went to the Supreme Court and found that there, what is it the 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 quote is there's no um, rights that a Negro has in this country that that uh, the white man is bound to. Um, Bound to honor, bound to respect. Yeah, Um, this is um, um, and basically upheld the institution of slavery in the United States in the territories, and it it said that we were, for all intents and purposes, not citizens of this country. Right. That's true. That's right. It was a seven to two majority opinion, written by the Chief Justice. I mean, I hate to say it, Benny, but I kind of feel like our current extreme court um, <laughs> might make the same decision, given the opportunity. You're, you're exactly right, because uh, uh, those, uh, those people are like Clarence Thomas and uh, the Chief Justice. They believe in that verbatim. Yeah. Uh, and and, and uh, that's why they call themselves constitutional conservative. Mm, interesting, Benny. Well, you know what? I think the reason, I mean, there's the symbolism of us not being citizens and then so many black uh, soldiers fought, you know, in the Union Army. Um, but it, it, it's also, it, it made people mad, that decision. People that were already for the abolition of slavery were angered by the Dred Scott decision. So is, is that why you're saying that it, it may have been the cause of the Civil War? Uh-uh. I'm absolutely sure that it was because of the Civil War. Because once a, that's a Supreme Court decision, yeah, that becomes the once the court makes a decision, that becomes the law of the land. Yeah, well, that's the problem that we're facing right now, which is why I feel like we need to reform our Supreme Court. How is Clarence Thomas even sitting up there deciding about whether or not uh, DJT should be on the ballot in Colorado? How is he? He should be recused from that. His wife was part of the the coup, the the attempted coup. She was texting lawmakers. That is so corrupt. It's so shady. It's so unrespectable. And it looks like they are going to uh, go ahead and affirm he who shall not be named's uh, ability to stay on the Colorado ballot. I don't right. really right, care in a sense because, you know, he's because it gives him one less thing to whine about. But, but honestly, I don't think legally, I don't think he should be there because he did participate in a coup. And the president is definitely an officer of the United States. 
you know, but the court is ruled by the uh, the conservatives. Yeah. Right, so it's, it's going to go their way. I mean, arch conservatives, they... ultra conservatives. You know, right, not just yeah. everyday conservatives. Are um, how, where are you, Benny, on reparations? Oh, I'm for reparations, but uh, uh, I, I'm not disillusioned about it because I think uh, ultimately it's going to have to uh, go to the court. That's where it's going to come from. If we're going to get it or not. It has to be heard hmm. by the California Supreme Court. Well, um, but the way they're doing uh, it now, oh, you're saying whatever legislation they have is going to end up in court. That's what you're saying. Right. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. I mean, that's yeah. probably true. And I wonder about the courts because I know, you know, I followed the work of Charles, uh, uh, Professor Ogletree, and, 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 you know, others who, who have had a lot of defeats in courts, including, of course, you know, um, the constant uh, beating back of anything that's, you know, affirmative action or anything that's meant to repair the harms of discrimination and enslavement. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm skeptical yeah. about um, what will happen in court. And I understand that's why some, uh, there's a lot of conversation about what this is based on, what reparations is based on, and the fact of it being a debt or being um, narrowly defined to a certain group of uh, Americans, you know, descendants of enslaved uh, Africans in America or descendants of... Uh, you know, those harmed that I get that. Um, I also, Benny, I, I, I don't think it can be a popularity contest. I think if we allow it to come down to what polls say or what the general public thinks, then we lose. Uh, and that may be changing over time, but if it's a debt that's owed to me, it doesn't matter what your opinion is. If you owe me $20, we don't, poll the public to see if Benny should pay Dominique back. Benny got to reach in his wallet and pay me back. And I think we have to stay on that page. Otherwise it becomes a popularity contest and reparations cannot be a popularity contest. I, I agree with you hundred percent. Well, Benny, thank you for, you okay. know what? I th do you think we should um, email Nikki Haley and see if she knows about the Dred, Dred Scott case? <laughs> well, well, at least, at least she admitted that she wasn't a lawyer. Yeah, and, but I, I'm just saying that that you you have to know uh, that question in order to be president of the United States. Yeah, well, and she's not going to be anyway. I mean, but the thing about Nikki Haley um, that you know that I think is really significant is that she is a Confederate, just like Donald Trump. Nimrata Nikki Rantawa, aka Nikki Haley is no better than Donald J. Trump when it comes to those pro-Confederate, anti-black, anti-working class, anti-union policies. It's not a personal thing. I'm sure Donald Trump is perfectly fun and funny guy if he's not your president. And uh, Miss Nimarata probably is too. But when it comes to their politics, pure Confederacy. Benny, thank you so much. Uh, for, for, for calling in today. I hope to talk to you again. Take care.
Yes, indeed. The best of Tavis Miley is up next. And um, might I just say, go 49ers. Don't be mad. Don't hate. <laughs> Whatever you're doing, take a moment. Go to blackexperiencela.com. Fill out your reparations, uh, Super Bowl reparations survey. I'm calling that. It really, it calling it that, it really has nothing to do with the Super Bowl. Uh, but, you know, it's something you can do while you're scrolling around. All right, so look, uh, my quote today, I'm going to with what Molly Bell said from Jim Brown, the decision-making process. Eliminate the negative, establish the facts, and choose your best option. Until Monday, one love.